Welcome to One Church, where today we're going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about sex. So I just want to give you guys a heads up. If you have some children that you don't want to hear this, we have environments for them. So um, I promise you we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about this, because you guys don't want to hear my opinion about this. And uh, amazingly enough, God's Word has to say a lot about this topic, even though most churches never ever talk about this. All right? In fact, our big idea today is this. It says this. Our big idea is that sex, God's way, and in God's context, is a godly, what is that next word? Thing. All right. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I need, if you're a couple, husband and wife here today, and you want something free, I need you to come down front right now. All right, come on. All right, let's give it up for Dawn and Chris. You, you ain't even got to come up on stage. All right, this is a book that, see, some of y'all are going, we're talking about what? You want me to do what up on stage? All right, uh, this is a book that we're selling for $5 at our resource table. It, this book normally costs 20 bucks, and uh, we were able to get a great deal on it. And so I would encourage you guys, if you would like some good resources, good biblical resources on this, go by uh, the, the resources table and pick one of those up. I, I, by the way, I need another couple up here. I mean, it can't be the same one. Who wants to come up next? Come on, honey, let's go. Come on. Come on. All right. This is a $25 gift card from Lassiter's. So um, one, thing, one of the things that we're going to do all through this series is we're going to give you homework and ask you to do some stuff, and uh, we're going we're to treat you out on a date, and this is complimentary of Lassiter's Coffee, and uh, so there you go, a $25 gift card. Let's give it up. Now see, some other people, y'all said, I knew I should have went up there, and by the way, this is a Bible that some person left. So I don't know who that is, so you're welcome to come up later and get that. All right, so today we're going to be talking about sex, and the reason why we're going to be talking about sex, we're going to give you a couple of different reasons today, but the first one is that sex is powerful. Sex is powerful. I mean, because a lot of people start asking, and we've already gotten a lot of pushback on this series. Should we be talking about this subject in church? I mean, shouldn't this topic be off limits, right? And it reminds me of a story um, of a remote tribe in South America that lived right on the Amazon River. And uh, this tribe um, was uh, a missionary came to visit this tribe because the missionary wanted to tell them about Jesus, but also to help them with medical supplies. And uh, when the missionary came uh, into this tribe in this remote village on the outskirts of the Amazon River, he noticed that everybody in this village had scars. I mean, were just horrifically scarred. Some had scars, but some were missing legs, some were missing arms, some were missing feet or hands. And I mean, it's like it affected everybody. And he's like, what in the world has happened to these people? So he went and talked to the, to the, um, to the, uh, the person who's in charge of the village, and he talked to the village chief, and he says, what's happened here? And the chief says, we don't talk about it in broken English. So he's going, don't, don't talk about what? What's happening? So he, he goes and he asks some other people, hey, how come people are missing legs and arms and badly scarred? And the, he got the same answer. Shh, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. And he finally figured out what was up 
when he was down by the river one afternoon and the ladies were washing clothes down by the river and some of the children were playing in the shallows of the Amazon when this nine-foot crocodile jumped out and grabbed one of the boy's legs and bit it clean off and a horrified mother went and grabbed her little boy and ran into the village to get medical attention and the missionary is going, what was that? Was that a... Was that an alligator? And they all said, shh, we don't talk about that here. Now here's the thing. That's what a lot of churches do when it comes to the topic of sex. We don't talk about that. But yet, if you look around, everybody has been affected by the, the good or especially the bad things when it comes to the context of sex and sexual intimacy. So we have to talk about this. So today there's not going to be any shh. We don't talk about that here because we have to talk about it. Let me tell you another reason why we have to talk about it is the Bible speaks about it. You know, some of you, some of your pushback, you kind of grew up in church and you thought churches, uh, you thought sex was something you just didn't talk about. But if you think about it and you read the Bible, there is tons of sex in the Bible. I know for some of you, that's going to make you want to read your Bible tomorrow. I understand it. I hope you do. All right. But there's the good part about sex, and there's also the bad consequences of sex found in God's Word. In fact, there's, the Bible that we have is actually consists of 66 different books. And one of those 66 books is about Song of Solomon. And guess what Song of Solomon is about? Sex. I mean, so if I am going to be a preacher that looks at the entire Bible and teach the entire Bible, we have to look at it the entire thing. Now here's the thing. Some of you, you may be uncomfortable me talking about this subject. And I just want to say, you're, you may be uncomfortable me talking about this subject. I'm even more uncomfortable talking to you about it. Alright? Especially that my phone number is going to be up on the screen so we're going to, you know, we're going to have some text about this. I'm going to say this. And I promise you, through, the, through this three-week series, I'm, I'm going to treat this in a very good way. I'm not going to be graphic or anything like that, but I can't control the questions that are being asked. So that's the reason why we put a PG-13 thing on this. But I want to say this as well. Sex is powerful, but it's also biblical. And if you think about it, God is the one who created it. I mean, that's what we're going to be looking at today. God is the one who created sex. It wasn't some perverted person thought in the Garden of Eden. That's not where it happened. Some of you are uncomfortable talking about this day because you're married and your sex life is like non-existent. And it's my prayer that this series will begin to maybe take you, help you take some steps to save your marriage. There are other uh, of you in here today, and you don't like talking about this because you're single, and you're not having any sex, all right? And we're going to be talking about that from the Bible's context, about what single is, and, and about the whole sexual intimacy thing, and what the Bible has to say about that. Some of you, you you're uncomfortable with me talking about this because there are scars, you, you hold scars very deeply in your heart and your soul because you were abused or somebody forced themselves on you. And even though you can't see those scars on the outside, it's like a nine-foot alligator come and just took a huge bite out of you. And you're uncomfortable talking about that today. And I want to say, I hope that God uses this series to start healing some of your wounds because he wants to. You know, I grew up in church where we never talked about this. In fact, or if they did talk about it, it was, you know, don't, no. If you do, you know, you'll go blind or go bald. You know, some of you I can tell. 
what I'm saying. Um, but I, I, want you, I want you to hear this very clearly that God is not anti-sex. It was God's idea. You know, m- most of us, you, if you grew up in church, you may have this weird thing that sex is dirty. But I, it's, it's like this. Uh, the book we just give away, uh, a fellow by the name of Kevin Lehman is the one who wrote it. And he writes in this book of a story of a husband and wife comes to him for counseling. And they sit down, and, and she's so frustrated. And he says, Dr. Lehman, the, the, what my husband, the only thing he thinks about is sex. Is that normal? And Dr. Lehman starts smiling. He says, yeah, it's normal. He says, and she says, well, don't y'all think about anything else? And he says, yeah, we think about food and sex sometimes. And, uh, and then he goes on and says, you know, sometimes we think about football, but it normally comes back to sex. And she was appalled, and she says, isn't there any man today who has a godly heart and a godly mind and who isn't dirty? And see, there's the first problem. Because sex in the right context is, is awesome. In the right context. And let me tell you, if you're a guy and if you're daydreaming about your wife, that is the most godly thing that you could do. I mean, I would put that on par as serving soup at a soup kitchen. I'm serious. Because God is the one who created it. You are to take delight in your wife or in your husband. Now, if you're a guy and you're daydreaming about the front of a Victoria's Secret catalog, then that is dirty. And God speaks very clearly about that. So, we're going to be looking at today that God is not anti-sex because sex is powerful. But hear me on this. Sex is more than powerful. Sex is also more than physical. But here's, here's what most people do. Most people get very frustrated when the school talks about sex education and they, they talk about, hey, you know, if you have this and you put it with that, uh, then that's what you get. So you need to put that on a this. And if you put that on a this, then when you put that and this together, you won't get a that. I worked all week on that one. <laughs> Let me tell you, most people are very frustrated that schools or churches or whatever say so much about sex. And in my opinion, I don't think they say enough. Because the what schools and a lot of other people, they say, they talk about sex, it's just physical. But hear me, it's more than physical. God wired it up to be more than physical. It's a soul bonding. There's an emotional connection. And that's the reason why God says sex is great in the context of marriage. But when you take sex out of marriage, it's no longer a good thing. It can be a very damaging thing. Sex is more than physical. Let me explain this. The Bible speaks about God as a trinity. That God, we we serve one God, but he has three persons. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And even though there's three persons, there's one God. They They exist in a perfect oneness. Now, I can't explain that. That's hard for me to explain. And you know what? It was hard for God to explain. That's why he gave us a picture. You know what picture he gave us? Sexual intimacy. Look at this. Genesis chapter 1. By the way, the word Genesis means beginnings. So we're going to be looking at the beginnings of everything. This is what it says. God spoke, and he says, let what? Let us. He's speaking as the Trinity. Let us, God the Father, let us, God the Son, let us, God the Holy Spirit, make human beings in our image, in our image. He created them male and female. You and I are made in God's image. Husbands are very different than wives. Wives 
are very different than husbands. Thanks for coming to one church. No, think about it. I mean, they are very different. And when those two different things come together, they experience oneness through physical intimacy. And the reason why God made it that way is God wanted human beings to experience what he experiences. Because there is three of him, but when he's one. When you have a husband and when you have a wife and you put them together, they become, we're going to read in a minute, one flesh. The longings of our bodies coming together is a good thing in marriage because God gave us those longings. It's, it's the crying out of our souls. It's the longing for oneness, community, intimacy, and God placed that there. And it's a picture of who God is. So it's a very awesome and beautiful thing. Uh, one pastor by the name of G.K. Chesterton, he said it like this. Every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. And what he's saying by that quote is this, that every person who's longing for physical intimacy is looking for connectedness with God because God put it there. Now, here's the thing. We can either satisfy those God longings in our heart in a good way, physical intimacy in marriage, or in a bad way, in a damaging way, going outside of marriage in a brothel, having sex before marriage, having sex with somebody beside your spouse. So... That's, that's what he's saying is God put that longing there. In fact, back to Genesis 1. This is so cool. Genesis, God's creating the heavens, and he's saying it's good. He's creating the earth. He's saying it's good. He creates the animals. He says they're good. He creates dogs. He says they're good. He creates cats and says they're evil. He says he creates birds. He says they're good. But the one thing that God said is not good is this. It's not good for a man to be alone. So I will make, God says, a helper suitable to him. And that's when he makes Eve. And he puts Adam to sleep, and he takes out of Adam's side a rib, and he fashions Eve. That literally, basically, it says that women are built. That's what the Bible says. Some of you guys, when y'all say, no, that's what the Bible, God built her. Guys, we're just formed out of mud, right? That's what the Bible says. But God spent some time on Eve. And when Adam woke up, he looked up and he said, good, 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 That's awesome. In fact, now it's Adam saying, that's good. It's real good. In fact, look at what it says. And I'm going to keep on. This is God's first command. All right. See, some of you think God's first command is stop doing that. Stop thinking that. Put that away. Listen to what he says. All right. <laughs> God spoke. See, I don't know what y'all laughing about. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. He created them male and female, and God blessed them. And what was his first command? Prosper. What was the next one? I need somebody to say amen on that one. Thank you, Lord. So a guy back there is going, preach it, brother. All right? That's, that is the first command. Now, why? Because God loves oneness. He is the one who created sexual intimacy. Now hear me, up to this point in the Bible, sin hasn't entered in the world. There hasn't been any secrets. There, hasn't, there isn't any shame. And yet, they are experiencing the oneness and community of sexual intimacy. I mean, I, sex inside of marriage is a wonderful thing. Now here's the Jesus also talked about sex and marriage. In fact, this is in Mark chapter 10, verse 2, and it says this. Um, is 
Jesus is answering a question because some guys are asking, hey, I want to get a divorce from my wife. Is that okay? So this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, but Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses wrote to you this commandment. And now Jesus quotes from Genesis, where we just got finished reading. But from the beginning, that word beginning is literally Genesis. But from Genesis of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his, what? Father and mother, and the two shall become. Now, what do you think one flesh is talking about? So somebody else, he's talking about prayer. No, it's not. It's talking about the physical intimacy found in marriage. So that the two shall become one flesh, and they are no longer two, but one. Now look at Jesus' how he sums it all up. I love this last verse. This last, his last sentence says, What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Now here's our problems. Keep that verse up there if you would. We want to separate what God has joined together. And we want to join together what God wants separate. Let me explain to you another way. God created us and he has a plan for marriage. He loves us because we're made in his image. Just as God is for us, we also have an evil one who is against us. The Bible calls him Satan. And he he wants nothing better than, than to destroy our lives. And let me tell you what the evil one, the lie he gets us to buy into. And it's this. That the evil one tries to get people to have sex before they get married. And then once they get married, to no longer have any more sex. I mean, think about this. When you were getting married, I mean, when you were dating, wasn't there like this force that was just wanting to go, right? Just drawing you together. I mean, you couldn't keep your hands to yourself, right? I mean, she looked good and he looked fine. And it was like, man, you know, you had to draw boundaries. And I mean, it was, it was difficult, right? And um, because you, you were just wanting to come together. But now you're married. And now you got children. And you don't have, I mean, you feel like there's a wall in between you and your spouse. And the, the dream that you had for, your, for you and your spouse and your sexual life it's not there anymore because now it feels like the evil one is just trying to keep you guys from coming together. And that's not God's plan. God's plan, if you're single, is for purity to pave the way to intimacy. For you, if you're not married, to draw some firm boundaries so that you say no now so that you can say yes, 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 Lord, later. Because purity paves the way to intimacy. Now here's the thing. If you're married, what God wants for you right now is for you to have the best sex life ever. I mean, hanging from the rafters type of sex. That's what God wants for you. And and in fact, let me say it this way. Because, you know, some of you are asking, well, you know, what's legal? Where's the boundaries when it comes to sex inside of marriage with your spouse? And let me just point it out here. Any and everything is legal Having sex with your spouse in marriage, as long as if it's just between you and your spouse. If you bring other people into this relationship, either via pornography or either uh, literally other people, it's off, it's off limits. Because sex is supposed to be between a husband and a wife who are married together. That's what sex is supposed to be. And some of you are like, well, how far is too far? 
Don't know that. I can't answer that question. Now, we're going to be talking about this next week, about sometimes we insist on, I want it this way, and, and we want selfishly. And that's, the one, that's one of the first intimacy killers, you know. And uh, you guys have to talk that out, and you do have to have a conversation. But um, really, as long as, as you are married, and it's just between you and him, or you and her, God says, reproduce, have fun, because it is meant to be pleasurable. In fact, I, that's our next point, that sex is pleasurable. Sex is pleasurable. So, some of y'all need to go, yes, Lord, it is pleasurable. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, and I can't even imagine, you're, you were single, you got married, and now you're single again. And you know what it's like to be physically intimate, and now you can't. I mean, what do you do? Or some of you, you're single, you've never been married, but you cross some boundaries, you cross some lines. What does God have for me? What is his hope for me? And I hope you hear that God, God wants you to experience a wonderful sex life inside of marriage. But if you're not married at the time, it's not going to be pleasurable anymore. No, no, don't get me wrong. It'll be pleasurable for a night. But there's a reason why God wants sex in the context of marriage. It's like, I'll, you're going to probably hear this illustration a lot over the next three weeks. I, my wife and I, we have a um, fireplace. And I love having fires in the fireplace. In fact, last night it was 38 degrees. I wanted to build a fire. All of our kids, wife going, uh-uh, it's, it, it, it's too hot. I wanted a fire. So we didn't have a fire. <clears throat> but anyway... I could take that fire and put it in the fireplace, and it's the best thing since homemade sliced bread. It's awesome. I could take that same fire and put it on the curtains, and it's not that great anymore. Why? Why? Has the fire changed? No. But the context of the fire has. That's the reason why God says sex in marriage? Yay! Sex outside of marriage? Don't do it. It's no longer pleasurable. There's something about experiencing sexual intimacy in the confines of the security of marriage. Why? Because it's more than just physical. When you bond sexually, you become one flesh. Yes, physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And and, and your souls bond. And you tear that away, you're going to be leaving pieces of yourself behind. It's not a good thing outside of marriage. But sex inside of marriage is pleasurable. In fact, I want to read you some Bible verses this morning that I'm going to be blushing over. All right? I'm going to read you some stuff out of Proverbs, but the one I did, I can't get over is Song of Solomon, and I wish I had a very white voice. Throw that out there. All right? <clears throat> this is from the Bible. Some of y'all are going, don't, you know, don't talk about this. Read your Bibles. Read them. Proverbs 5, verse 18. Enjoy the wife you married. Don't ever quit de- taking delight in her body. Can somebody say, preach it? All right, we're moving on. All right, the Song of Solomon is all about sexual intimacy and romance. In fact, some of you guys, you you think you're the love doctor, right? You think, I am so romantic. Let me tell you, compared to this dude, you're like rotten, stale fish. Now, here's the guy speaking about his wife. And by the way, he starts here, and he goes all the way down. Sit down. 
you're so beautiful, my darling. Your lips are jewel red, your mouth elegant and inviting. Your breasts are like fawns, twins of a gazelle. Now, some of y'all are going, that's weird. All right? It's poetry. It's poetry. All right? Your breasts are like fawns, twins of a gazelle, gazing, uh, grazing among uh, the first spring flowers. The sweet, fragrant curves of your body, the soft spice contours of your flesh. Invite me, and I come. I stay until dawn breathes its light, and night slips away. The kisses of your lips are like honey, my love. Dear lover and friend, you are a secret garden, a private and pure fountain. Body and soul, you are like a paradise. A whole orchard of succulent fruits. Oh, let my lover enter his garden. Yes, let him eat the fine ripe fruits. What do you think that's talking about? Dear Lord, I'm going to keep on reading. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word right here. <clears throat> I, <laughs> I went to my garden, dear friend, best lover. I breathed the sweet fragrance. I ate the fruit and honey. I drank the nectar and wine. <laughs> God, God is pro-pleasure. I hope you all hear that. God is pro-pleasure. God wants you to experience the pleasure of sex inside of marriage. Sex is God's gift opened in the context of marriage. You take that out of marriage and you put it in any other context and it's no longer pleasurable. It's a very painful experience. So I've, I've spent the entire morning talking about the whole point of why we even need to be talking about this. Because I know some of y'all... You were like, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know about this series. I promise you we're going to treat this with some sacredness. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. But we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about this. Now, some of you, <clears throat> you've been married for a while, and you don't feel sexy. What do you do? And I'll tell you, that's what we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about how you can get your sexy back and how you can start rekindling those feelings and the fire of intimacy in your marriage. God wants you, he wants to write the best love story out of your life that will put a Harlequin romance novel or a Daniel Steele novel to shame. He wants to write a Song of Solomon with you and your spouse. But you have to be open to doing it his way. Let me give you some of the benefits, and we're going to be talking a lot about this next time, about next Sunday, about how you can rekindle that, but let me tell you some of the benefits of bringing sexy back in your marriage. Let me tell you some of the benefits of pursuing your spouse physically and intimately. First one is this, pursuing your partner, partner intimately will be good for your marriage. Let me tell you something about sex. Sex is a thermometer to measure the, the heat of your relationship. Uh, let me say it another way, that sex, that's nonverbal communication. If, that's not, if you're not having nonverbal communication, that's tell me, that tells me you're not having verbal communication. You're not connecting with one another. If you're not connecting with one another in the bed, then you're not connecting with one another over the kitchen table. And we're going to be talking about a lot, a lot next week about this, guys. Sex begins in the kitchen. It begins emptying the dishwasher. Some of you ladies, I've got your emails, right? 
It, it begins with you serving her. Our problem, guys, is we think sex is something at 9 o'clock that happens at night. And no, it's, a, it's an all-day love affair. All right? Now, here's the thing. But, and let me just say this. Um, the reason why God doesn't want you to experience sex before marriage it's like this. Anytime you put sex in a relationship, what happens is the verbal communication goes down because the nonverbal communication goes up. All right? That's how it works. So think about it this way. When you're dating somebody and you're not having sex, you're talking a lot because you ain't doing nothing else, right? You're talking, hey, tell me about your dreams. What's your hopes? What's your expectations? And you're learning about one another. The reason why God says not to have sex before marriage is because you stop talking. The, the verbal goes down and the nonverbal goes up. And some of you, you had sex before marriage, then you got married, and you're wondering how come your marriage is all jacked up now because you didn't have a foundation of verbal communication. And you added the nonverbal, and now you're married, with, you're married to somebody who feels like a stranger because you don't know them. Oh, yes, you know what they look like. But you don't know them inside. So sex, pursuing your partner intimately, is going to help your marriage. Let me tell you what else it's going to help. It's going to help your children. You know what your children need? They don't need any more toys from you. They need a husband and a wife who is gaga over each other. They, I mean, your children will notice how you hold his hand. Your children will notice when y'all are necking. Right? You're, I mean, and you know what they're going to think? They're probably think, ooh, gross. All right? That's what they're going to say. But let me tell you, they're going to give, you're going to give them a sense of security that you really love each other. And, and what they're going to be thinking is, wow, this is, my parents have the best marriage in the world. I wouldn't want to be in any other family. And let me just stop and say this. You have to put priority on your spouse over your kids. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because let me tell you, the worst thing you can do is to make your children more of a priority than your spouse. It's the worst thing you can do. Because the whole reason we have kids is to grow them up and they, for them to leave the house. And for when they leave, you change the locks. But hear me on this one, guys. Ladies, what is, what is left once they leave? You two are. And if you've prioritized your children over your spouse, one or two things are happening. You've already separated and gotten a divorce. Or they're out and you're looking at a stranger. And you're thinking, okay, do we give up on the relationship? Or am I going to spend the next 20 years trying to discover who you are now? Prioritize your spouse over your children. It's God first, your spouse second, and children are a distant third. All right? Now, third thing, pursuing your spouse intimately is going to help in your relationship with God. Because God created sex, it was his idea. He wants you to experience the oneness and the community of the Trinity, and he wants you to experience that in your marriage. In fact, some of you, you come to church and you look all pretty and nice, and you think you and God are okay. But here's what God's word has to say. That if you are not treating your spouse well, if your husbands, if you're not loving your wives... Wise, if you're not respecting your husbands, if you're not meeting each other's emotional and physical needs, God says, listen, don't pray to me right now. Don't talk to me. Y'all need to get it right this way before you can have a right relationship here. That's what Malachi says. He says, I don't want your prayers. You need to get right with your spouse. 
That's exactly what it says. Now, I'm going to give you homework all three of these weeks. Homework for this week, married, married people. I want you to pursue your spouse like you did when y'all were dating. What did you do? I'll tell you what I did. <laughs> I, um, my wife and I, we were in college together. And uh, I borrowed the keys of her car. And I said, hey, I left a book or something. Can I borrow your keys? She said, sure. So I took her key and I went and made a copy of it without her knowledge. Now, some of you are thinking, you're a stalker. <laughs> and I am. I am a stalker. But here's what I did. I made a copy of her key. And a couple weeks later, I, and y'all remember cassette tapes, don't you? All right, good luck. I made her a love tape. Some Harry Connick. Some of y'all going, oh. I made her a, a Harry, I, I went and got her car washed and waxed. I vacuumed it. Um, and I made her a, a love tape. I had it in there so when she'd turn it on, it would get, I put a rose in her seat. Because that's how I play. I don't need to know that. All right? But what I'm, the reason why I'm telling you this is so you can hold me accountable too. Sometimes what we tend to do with our spouse, we pursue what we don't have, but once we get it, we stop pursuing. That's next week, baby. Come back for that one. All right? So I want you to pursue her or him like you did when you were dating. Get crazy. And to help that, how many, first couple down here, I'm going to give you something. Come on. First couple. Come on. All right. All right. Right here. All right. Oh, I got, I got to be honest with you. I love you, Bob, but they, they beat you, man. I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Another $25 gift certificate to Lassiter's. Brian and Paula, let's give it up for Lassiter's. Let, let me tell you, a huge thanks to Lassiter's. We have, we have Red Lobster to give away. We got Rafferty's to give away. We got all kinds of stuff. So y'all need to make sure to come next week. That's all I'm saying. And when I ask for volunteers, y'all got to be quick, people. All right? All right, before, by the way, so that's what I want you to do if you're married, if you're single. Here's what I want you to do if you're single. What I want you to do is I want you to write down the qualities you want in a future spouse. And then I want you to write the qualities that you, that you think they would want in a future spouse. And then I want you to focus on becoming Mr. or Mrs. Wright instead of finding Mr. or Mrs. Wright. You hear what I'm saying? If you focus on being Mr. or Mrs. Wright, you ain't got to be worried if you're 40 years old, not married, and you, you won't have to worry about it. Because I promise you, Mr. Wright will be coming finding you. And he'll be going, hey, baby. All right? I'm not lying. All right? Now, um, a, a, a couple, answer a couple questions and we'll be done. Um, how, how can we do this? We got all kinds of them. Um, how can we work on this if our spouse is deployed? Great question. All right, first thing I would say is it's called Skype. All right, have fun with that. All right, I don't, I'm, I'm just, I don't, that's all I'm saying. All right, uh, it, it's writing love notes. All right, uh, giving them packages. All right, and some of you, and y'all be thinking, well, what's legal? As long as it's just between you and your spouse. That's all I'm saying. All right, give you another one. Um, uh, if you are not married, how do you get right with God? That's a great question. H- how you get right with God is by knowing that all of us mess up, God's Word says. And that the Bible says that everybody has sinned. And that the results of sin is death. But Romans 6.23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. How we get made right with God is by asking Jesus to come in and to forgive us of our sins. And you know what? He will listen to you and he will. 
and he, you can start by beginning a relationship with him. Um, in fact, before we end, I'll, I'll help you uh, pray a prayer so that we can do that. Um, when I read Song of Songs, I didn't know it was just, uh, I didn't know it was about sex. I just thought it was about loving someone and how you see them through your eyes. And it is that. But you can't read what I just read and not talk about. Oh, I'm saying. Um, what's our homework if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Oh, that's a great question. Really good. All right. Well, pursue them this week. You know, sex is off the table. But pursue them. I mean, do something nice for them. Let them know that, 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 that they mean more to you than just a hunk of flesh. All right. That's a great one. Great question. Um, all right. uh, it's one from my wife that I ain't going to tell y'all what it says. All right. All right. Now, all right. Do the same rules or guidelines pertain to oral sex? All right. Um, contrary to our 42nd president, oral sex is sex. We all have it. All right. Now, here's the thing on this one, guys. Listen to me. Song of Solomon talks about that. It, it is okay in the confines of marriage. Outside of marriage, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We clear on that? All right, cool. All right. Um, all right, uh, anyway, uh, give you some more. Uh, we have a great sex life uh, for 10 years, but what does the Bible say about the use of sex toys within marriage if it is clean? Um, only thoughts uh, of partner and no pornography. Again, I would say as long as it's between you and your spouse, everything is okay. Now, again, what's off limits is when you bring pornography into this relationship. That's not okay. Are we clear on that? So if it's between you and your spouse, y'all have fun. All right? Give you some more. Um, what can a teen get from this or relate to this? Another great question. If you're a teenager, what you need to hear very clearly and what the church a lot of times says, no, 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 no. What I want you to hear very clearly today is if you want a yes, yes, yes later, then you have to be pure now. And you have to put some firm boundaries with that. So, again, we've, somebody already put it out there. Oral sex doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Friends with benefits? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But what does, I mean, you date in a healthy way. Uh, another way you can take this is when the, you go on dates, but when the date is over, it's over. Y'all know what I'm talking about with that? All right. I'm sorry we said 9 o'clock. It's done. All right. I don't mind giving you a kiss. We're out of here. So that's what you can get from this. What I want you to get from this really, and I'm talking to teenagers because you guys are right here. God is pro-sex in marriage. In marriage. So save this gift for marriage, because if you don't, it will be there will be baggage that you will take with you for the rest of your sexual life when it comes to your marriage partner. All right, uh, a couple more. Uh, how do you get over the fact of having multiple partners before marriage and to be able to enjoy it with your spouse? Wow, that's a great question. And I would say this: I don't have a lot of great things to to give you. I probably would say this: I wouldn't talk about those multiple partners with your spouse. I wouldn't bring those up if they ask. Yes, but. Here's the problem. Another reason why God doesn't say to have sex only for marriage is because you start playing the comparison game. And you start thinking of that person that you did that with. And again, that's off limits. So one of the things I would encourage you to do is 
is pray about it, read God's word about it, and when you feel, start feeling your mind drift off, you take that thought captive. And you say, no, I am here with my spouse. That is past. God does not want that. I am here with my spouse, all right? Uh, and these are good. Um, if your spouse continually abuses you, is it okay to divorce? Wow, that's a... Uh, that's a I, I, I can't really answer that question. I need more information, to be honest with you. Um, I would encourage you to talk to a Christian counselor about that. Um, so uh, I really don't want to go into that too much because I can tell you what the Bible says about divorce, but really, I would really want you to seek some further Christian counseling about that, um, about what type of abuse and things of that nature. Last one. Um, uh, Pastor, have you looked up Ed Young's Leaving Las Vegas? It's an awesome Bible study on mar- marital sex. Yes, I have. So it's a great, uh, Ed Young is a pastor of Fellowship Church in Dallas, so good stuff. All right, uh, that's where we're done. I, as we close, I'm a little over. I want to say this. I, I want to help pray because one person asked, how do I have that relationship with God? So as the band comes out, I'm going to pray. And if you want to be right with God, I, I want to help walk you through that today. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, that you want to be acquainted in every area of our life. And Lord, I pray for those people today, this may be their first time ever in church or first time back in church in years, and they just don't feel like they have a a relationship with God. That if somebody asked them, you know, where would you spend eternity if you would die, they really wouldn't have an answer. Or they would say heaven, but they would say, oh, because I'm a good person or because I, I went to church today. But Lord, your word says so clearly that it's not about going to church that makes us right with you. It's not giving money in an offering bucket. That doesn't make, it, make us right with you. That trying to be good doesn't make us right with you because our righteousness are like filthy rags to you, God. Lord, the only way we can be right with you is if Jesus comes into our heart and our life. And Lord, we give him all of our mess, all of our sin, all of our junk. So Lord, I pray I pray for all of the people here today who need to begin a relationship with you, that they would ask you right now in the stillness of this room, God, come into my heart. Come into my life, Jesus. I've messed up, and I don't deserve your love. But yet you love me anyway. And you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so I can have eternal life. Thank you for hearing this prayer. It's in Jesus' great big name that we pray. Amen.